0: If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 1 John chapter 4. I hope everyone has a copy of God's Word. I've been reading up on the English translations and men in the past, in the 13th, 14th century, gave their lives and died because of their being involved in printing God's Word. Today we should count it a high privilege that we have the opportunity to have a copy of God's Word and be able to publicly read it, study it, and profess it in our lives. And I pray that each one of us would daily study it to know the mind and will of God. First John chapter 4. Begin reading the verse, we're going to read verses 4, 5, and 6 this morning. John says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know, know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. May we pray. Father, may you open up your word to our hearts and understanding. May the Holy Spirit illuminate our minds and thoughts that so we might receive the engrafted word, which is able to build us up in the faith, and we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There is so much in these verses. John says, we are of God, or out of God, little children, he's still speaking to us as little children. And have overcome them. We're going to see we and them in these verses. And them refers to the world. And have overcome them. You know, the Lord Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Our victory is because of his victory. He won the victory for us. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us and died and gave himself for us. Because, here's the cause of our victory in this life. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Just for a few moments, I'm going to give a little overview of what we've went through so far. I was talking to Brother Jimmy Barber. I said, you know it would be wonderful, Brother Roger." If I could retain everything that I've heard and studied, that would be, I could just reach up and get all that information. But you know, it doesn't work that way with me. I have to restudy and restudy and restudy. And that's a blessing in a lot of ways. When John wrote this book, he gave some reasons why he wrote it. He mentions four of the reasons why he wrote the Epistle of John. First of all, he says to add to their joy. First John 1 4. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So one of the purpose of reading first John is that your joy may be full. Do you like joy in your Christian life? Then read the epistle of John. He's writing so that your joy can be full. The joy of the Lord is your strength, Nehemiah. The second thing he says, and these things right into you that you, uh, yeah, I guess the, I got the same uh, two one, to guard them against sin. Sorry, to guard them against sin. First John two one, my little children, these things right unto you that you sin not. Now, what is that saying? It said, we're not to have an attitude, well, I can just sin, doesn't make any difference. Yes, it does. A child of God is supposed to honor the Lord. We're supposed to live for the honor and glory of God. Paul says, abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Sin is public enemy number one. And if you take the word sin, S-I-N, what's in the middle? I. That's our problem. I, ego, self. We want our own way. My little children, these things are right on you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. He didn't only say we shouldn't sin, but he said if we do sin, we have an advocate. Don't give up when you sin. If you sin, run to Jesus. He's your advocate with the Father plead His blood, ask for His forgiveness. That's a wonderful thing to know. But the attitude should be, we should hate sin. And we know that we all carry it with us in this fallen, corrupt nature. He warned us against false teachers. In 1st John 2, 26, he says, 26, he said, these things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. You know, Christ in his public ministry warned the apostles and warned those who heard him, beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. They're deceitful. As we go through this, Lesson this morning, you're going to see that there's two forces in the world. Either our decisions are of God or our decisions come from Satan. There is no straddling fence. People are teaching the truth that's in God or they're teaching a lie, which is of Satan. Satan is very active today teaching. You may not have realized that, but before we finish this morning, I hope you can see Satan is very active in teaching his doctrine and his philosophy in this world. Number four, to strengthen their faith in Christ and assure them of eternal life. 1 John 5.13 Do you lack assurance this morning of your salvation? This is the reason John wrote 1st John to encourage you to strengthen your faith. He says in 1st John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. He may, he spelled it out. Believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have what? Eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. He's emphasizing believing on the name of the Son of God. If you're a believer, he that hath the Son, John says, hath eternal life. Eternal life is in a person, in a person. So remember those four things. He's warning us. He wrote us to about our joy. He warned us, guarded us about sin, about false teachers, and to strengthen our faith in Jesus Christ as believers in the Son of God. Some of the key words we've seen so far, we've seen the word fellowship. Truly a fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. The word love. We've seen the word love. We're to love one another. Believe is emphasized. Know. We're to know. I can know that I pass from death unto life because what? We love the brethren and sisters in the Lord. We're going to look at a few things with the instance where the word no, we know is used, appears. That a righteous life indicates regeneration. That a person, a person who's living a righteous, godly life. It says in 1 John 2.29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. In other words, we are created the image of God in the new birth we have his righteousness in us and we to if we live righteous, it's a sign that we are born again that we have we've been born of the spirit of God. First John five eighteen says we know that whatsoever or whosoever is born of God sinneth not But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and the wicked one toucheth him not. Satan can only go so far, but he can't touch your soul. Remember when he had permission to touch Job. He could go so far with Job, and that was it. God had a restraint on him. You can touch his body, but you can't touch his life. That's one of the things that we know. Those that are born again live a righteous life. The second thing we know, that we shall be like Christ at His coming, when He comes again. In First John chapter 3, and verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now, present tense, are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear... Jesus shall appear. We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. That day's coming when we shall be changed into his likeness. That's going to be a glorious day, the resurrection. We put off this flesh to sin no more. Hallelujah. No more I. No more I. Another thing that we know by experience that Christ came to take away our sins. Second John, First John, three five. And you know that He was manifest manifested to take away our sins, beloved. Jesus came to take away our sins. That's why John says these things writing unto you that you sin not. Why Christ came to take away your sins. He atoned for your sins. He's removed your sin judicially, legally. So hate those sins. Hate sin. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. That's one of the things that we know. If, we, if people hate the children of God, it's an evidence that they're not born again. And beloved, there's many people in this world who hate Christians. Jesus said, if they've hated me, they'll hate you. You got to take this to the bank and believe it. The world hates Jesus Christ the Messiah. They hate the Son of the Living God. All through His ministry, they did everything they could to kill Him. But He was protected by God's providence. Until the time came for Him to be crucified, they couldn't take His life. Because God has all things under His control. God the Father. As I said, we know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. That He that abides in us by the witness of the Spirit we know that he abides in us by the witness of the Spirit, 1 John three twenty four, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. Hereby we know that he abides in us, how? By the Spirit which he hath given us. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit is come, he shall testify of me. And he indwells us, and he testifies that we are the sons of God. By bearing witness with our spirit, Romans eight sixteen, that we are the children of God and sons of God. The Holy Spirit has an active ministry in our lives in this world. He's that another Comforter. Jesus said, "I will send you another Comforter that he may abide with you how long? Forever." He's not going to be upon you and dwell in you and then leave you. No, He's with you until the very end, until the day of redemption. Our bodies are resurrected from the grave. Hallelujah for that. Another thing that we know, and I'm grateful for this, and at times you may have doubts about it, Satan's always active that we have eternal life. Verse John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. I'm writing these things to the church, to the congregation, to the people of God, to the sons of God, the children of God. I'm writing these things to you. That you may know by experience that you have eternal life. Now, one of the evidences we just saw, those who are practicing righteousness are born of God. Those that love their brothers and sisters in Christ are born of God. Those who love the Lord are born of God. Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God have been born of God. These are some of the evidences God wants us to know. If we have these fruits in our lives, we've been born of God. We have God in our lives. We have the Spirit indwelling us. As I said, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Now this is more real maybe in some believers than other believers. We all have different experiences of growth. We have different experiences of understanding of the Word of God. But he bears witness with all his children that we are the sons of God. That doesn't mean you never question that. doesn't mean you never have doubts. But it means most of the time in your life you have assurance that you are a child of God. But you may have a seasons where Satan attacks you and you get despair and you get down where you say, well, maybe I'm not a child of God. Why am I being attacked by Satan so strong? See, he only attacks those who are not his. He's already got the world. So Satan comes against the children of God. No sooner did Christ enter his ministry. And what happened? Right, out of, right as soon as he was baptized, here comes Satan to tempt him for 40 days and 40 nights. So don't think it a strange thing when you're blessed with the Spirit of God, blessed in the preaching of the messages, your blessing coming to church, all of a sudden Satan attacks you. That's normal, Brother Roger. He's testing our faith. Are we sincere? Will we stand the test? I was thinking about these men of God. And I was thinking about the twelve apostles. I think all the apostles, John the Apostle died a violent death. According to legend or history, Peter was crucified upside down. The Apostle Paul had his head cut off. And some of the other ones had violent deaths. John the Apostle, is the only one that I know of, they say that died a natural death after he wrote the book of Revelation. But they died for what they believed. Are you and I willing to die for the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I'm going to jump up and say I raise my hand. I say, by the grace of God, I hope I would die for the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm not going to be like Peter. Lord, although I'll forsake you, I'll die for you. Peter had to learn the lesson the hard way. We must say our hearts would be that we would be willing to die for our master if he gives us dying grace to do it. And I would say no, none of us would die for the Lord unless he gave us dying grace. Grace did not deny him as Peter did. Peter had to be stripped of his self-dependence. And sometimes in our lives as Christians, God has to strip you and I of our self-dependence to let us realize he's in control of our lives and not us. He can send a sickness. He can send a a trial. He can send many things our ladies to remind us that He's in control. And without Him, we're helpless. So in your Christian life as a young believer, be a humble believer. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may lift you up in due season. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Remember the fall of Satan. He He was lifted up in his... In his pride and said, I will ascend above the most high God. And he was cast down to hell. Jesus said, I behold him and he's following his lightning to the earth. What, what happened? Satan got lifted up with pride. And why does he tempt all his uh, that are in the world to live, to be lifted up with pride? And God said, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. Beloved, a humble spirit is a good thing to have in the presence of the Lord. Another thing that we know is that our prayers are answered in 1 John 5, 15. And if we know that He heareth us, He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of Him, that He'll answer our prayers. Why? Because we do those things pleasing in His sight, and we pray according to what? According to the will of God. Now, we don't have a right to pray for things which are contrary to God's word God's not going to answer those prayers but we can pray for anything that God has revealed to us in his word we're to pray for our daily necessities we're to pray for food and raiment. we're to pray for protection we can pray for those things we can pray for God to give us grace and strength we can pray for the ministers. We can pray for the people of God that's all over the world. We can pray for peace. There's many things we can pray for. So many times it's we, when we pray, it's give me, give me, give me, give me. It's all about me and you and I. We want something from the Lord. Sometimes just take time to praise God. Get along with God and just thank the Lord for what you got. Lord, thank you. I wouldn't have nothing if it wasn't for you. Thank you for my home. Thank you for the. Uh, uh, money that I have. Thank you for my car or my SUV. Thank you for everything that I have, my clothing, my protection, my health. Take time to give God thanks for those things, beloved. They're gifts. Doesn't James say all perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights, so and there's no variance in the shadow of turning. All these little things that we take for granted are for a gift from God. One of the things that we should be doing is stopping and giving God thanks. Giving God thanks. You know, we don't have to wait until once a year, Thanksgiving time, to give God thanks. We should give God thanks every day of our lives for another day of life. You know, you could have died this morning of a heart attack before you came. You could have died by a car wreck on the way here. But God preserved us, brought us here. May we give the Lord thanks. Another thing we've seen as we go through the first four chapters we see that God is life and He's light. First thing we see manifested in Christ, 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. We see in 1 John 1, 3 and 4 the purpose of the epistle. <clears throat> and number 3, in the conditions of divine fellowship, we see walking in the light, 1 John verses chapter 1 verses 5 through 7, walking in the light as He is in the light. And 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, we see confession of sin. These are some things that we went over already as we studied these things. What a blessing to know. If we confess, that's our part, our sins, plural. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from how much? From all unrighteousness. Not some of it, not part of it, but all of it. Beloved, you can stand in the presence of God knowing that your past is clean. Jesus has blotted out the past, blotted out your sins. They no longer can be brought against you, judicially and legally. You cleanse from all sin. That's something to be thankful for. I'm grateful for that. Hallelujah. My sins have been dealt with and blotted out by the blood of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, we saw acceptance of Christ as advocate. And propitiatory sacrifice, propitiatory sacrifice. First John two, verses one and two. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. What happens when you sin? Christ is right there as your advocate, pleading your cause. And Paul says in Colossians, God has, for Christ's sake, forgiven you your sins. Why does God the Father forgive us for Christ's sake? Because He shed His blood for our sins. What a blessing that is. Obedience is the test of fellowship. We're to follow Christ's example example. First John 2, 3 through 6. You know, one verse Christ said John says, Walk even if we we should walk even as Christ walked. How did he walk? He walked in obedience. So we should walk in obedience. And you can't walk in obedience and love sin. You gotta hate sin. It's your public enemy. Obedience to the new commandment of love is abiding in the light. First John chapter two verses seven through eleven. Abiding in the light, abiding in God's word, walking in God's word. If I can get anything across to you this morning, please read the Word of God. Whether you're seventeen or seventy-eight or ninety-one. <laughs> Read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. We need it daily. And I know in the life in which we live, where we live a busy life in a certain sense. It's always something going on in our lives to hinder us, to take our time. You know, Paul says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I find that to be one of my greatest faults. It's not redeeming the time as I should. And I, and I need to do something about that more in my life. Not wasting time. It's easy to take it, just waste a day and do nothing. We have so much to do to prayer, studying the Word, meditating, helping others, praying for others, visiting others. We have so much to do, we don't have time to just be wasting it. We have eternity to rest with the Lord. Next thing we see is... A message to different classes of believers concerning spiritual knowledge and overcoming the wicked one. 1 John two twelve through 14. You know, he speaks to fathers. He speaks to young men. He speaks to little children. And there are different stages in their Christian life. He says some to the young men. Uh, to them, he, he said, because you've overcome the wicked one, because of the Word of God, you've overcome the wicked one. How do we overcome Satan? By the sword of the Spirit, Brother Roger. By reading God's Word, which is the sword of the Spirit, we overcome the wicked one. These are some things that we went over already. I just want to bring some of these things to your mind. The wicked one, he's called the wicked one. The wicked one. And we're going to see more of that in a few moments. This is one of the greatest warnings in John's epistle. The warning against the love of the world. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Now, beloved, John wouldn't command us not to do something if we would not doing it, if we couldn't do it. He says, love not the world. It means we can love the world if we're not careful, not cautious. Love not the world. Nor the things in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Oh, how we can get filled with pride of life. Oh, look what I have. Like that man who said, "Tear down my barns and build bigger barns. Look what I have. I have all this, my soul. And the Lord comes to him and say, Thou fool, you don't know what's going to happen to you because it's not, I'm going to require your soul. Then who shall all of this belong to? Solomon said, All is vain. All is vexation of the Spirit. When it's all said and done, we don't own anything. Because we can be taken away in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The next thing we saw in chapter 2 was the rise of the Antichrist, their apostasy and denial of Christ is a sign of the last times, 1 John 2, 18-23. He said there's now many Antichrists already entered into the world. They, they was teaching against the deity of Christ and his virgin birth even back then. And we have the exhortation to abide in the truth with the assurance that the divine anointing will give all needed instructions. First John chapter 2 verses 24 through 27. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us in the Word of God. Another thing we saw in chapter 2 was abiding in Christ gives confidence. You want confidence? Are you abiding in Christ? Are you continuing in Christ? then you'll have confidence. And righteousness is a mark of the new birth. It's an evidence of the new birth. 1 John 2, 28 and 29. God is righteous. God is righteous in chapter 3 in His love. His love was manifested in the exaltation of believers to sonship. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of the sons of God. What matter of love, behold, look at that love that took a dunghill, took a worm, took us a rotten sinner, ungodly sinner, and made it a son, a child, by adoption. Oh, see, we forget some of these things when we keep going through It's so much we cover. The test of sonship is righteous living. If you're living ungodly every day of your life, you're not a son. No, I didn't say that. The Word of God says that. Brotherly love is the distinguishing mark of spiritual life. That's one of the marks. You have love one for another. Love manifests itself in sacrifice, not in words only. It's easy to say, I love you. But do we do anything to demonstrate that love? The outcome of love is assurance and answered prayer. When's the last time God answered one of your prayers? Or do we even pray? We sang that song, Take Time to Pray Every Day. We need to practice that song. Faith and brotherly love is essential to fellowship with God. In other words, if I'm not in fellowship with the Lord, I can't be in fellowship. I mean, with Roger, I can't be in fellowship with the Lord. The congregation is to be in fellowship one with another. And we fellowship the Lord by our fellowshipping one another. We grow as a body of Christ and members in particular. It's a privilege to be a member of the Lord's congregation. I know sometimes I get on this once in a while. And I mean it with all my heart. If you're a believer and you haven't been baptized, you're disobeying the Lord. Because the first command of the Lord is, follow me. And the first thing you do when you follow the Lord, you're baptized and join the Lord's congregation. Now I'm talking to believers. If you're not a believer, you're not obligated to do that. But believers, true born-again believers, if you are a believer this morning, and you haven't followed Christ, you need to pray, Lord, give me the grace and strength to follow you in Christian baptism. And joining the congregation of the Lord. You should be praying about that. We don't force people here. I'm not trying to force any of you to do anything. But I want you to realize your responsibility as believers. I'm talking to believers. If we are believers, we're to follow Christ. That's one of the marks of being born again. I don't know of anyone who was baptized who gr- regretted it. Do you, Roger? It's a joy. It's a joy. Chapter 4, the chapter in which we're on now, we see the spirit of truth and error in the world and the method of testing them. Beloved, as long as you're in this world, there's going to be truth and there's going to be error. And you're going to have to make a decision by God's help, what is the truth and what is error. Every day got to face these decisions. One of the attitudes that we have to have is toward the incarnation of Christ. The attitude toward the incarnation of Christ determines their origin and character. Those who reject Jesus being the Son of God and reject the incarnation are of, are of this evil one. They're of the world. See, Satan dwells in the world. He never says he dwells in believers. He dwells in the world. He's of the world. The world is out of the world. They're in the world. The world is our enemy, and we flirt with our enemy. As one author said, we commit spiritual fornication, we commit spiritual adultery by flirting with the world. And the world is our enemy. Jesus said, the world hated me, and if they hated me, they'll hate you. More you're like Christ, the more the world's going to hate you. Why? Because they hate the image of God. The world marks of Antichrist. First John four four through six. Starting with verse seven, we see divine love in the human heart indicates regeneration. 1 John 4:7 manifested in the incarnation, sacrificial work of Christ. 1 John 4:8 through 10, we haven't got to there yet, but we're going to be reviewing those. Indwelling in believers creates brotherly love and inspires testimony concerning Christ as Savior of mankind, Savior of His people. 1 John 4:11 through 16, perfect love casts out fear and gives assurance of salvation. Oh, we all need to grow in that area, Brother Roger. I don't have perfect love. Yeah. Now, well, God's love is perfect, but I need to grow in that love because it casts out fear. Kindle's love to God in brotherly love, 1 John four nineteen through 21 And then in chapter 5, faith and love, the overcoming principles in the conflict with the world and all evil powers. We are in a spiritual battle. Beloved, one thing I've got out of First John is that we are in a battle with Satan, demons, powers, antichrists, false teachers, wicked rulers of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, which can refer to our government, their rulers in high places. We are in battle against spiritual forces. We see the love life of obedience in 1 John 5, 1 through 3. We see the victory of faith, 1 John 5, 4 through 5. We see the divine witness in earth and heaven talking about the Trinity, 1 John 5, 6 through 9. We'll be dealing with that in the near future. The witness of the Spirit, 1 John five ten. The gift of eternal life through the Son of God, 1 John 5, 11 through 13. The certainty of answered prayer. Aren't you glad that God answers prayer? That's an encouragement. Dealing with a sinful brother. 1 John 5, 16. The believers fourfold knowledge. 1 John 5, 18 through 20. And then those are kind of an outline of the first five chapters. Now we're going to look at verse 4. Year of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, who is he that's in the world? That's talking about Satan, the devil. The one we're against, them, is referring to the unbelievers that's in the world. It's referring to Satan who's in the world. And it's referring to the demons that are in the world. That's who we are against. You're of God, little children, have overcome them. Now, how did they overcome them? Remember last week we talked about sound in the faith, sound doctrine. We overcome the world of heresy with sound doctrine. Teaching the truth will overcome false doctrine. You overcome error with truth, not reasoning. They can reason as good as you can. But you must say, thus says the Lord. And that's how you overcome error with the truth of God's Word. And this word overcome is in the perfect tense. What does that mean? It's something that happened in the past with the, with the continuous present results. When Jesus said, Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. He overcame the world for us. And they overcame the world by standing firm on the Word of God and rejecting the lies of the false teachers. And by doing that, they were continually standing and overcoming how By standing on the apostolic doctrine, Brother Roger. They were clinging to the teachings of Christ. They were clinging to the teaching of the apostles. And they were continually doing that. And by doing that, they were overcoming the enemy and the false teachers. Demonical teachers. The reason why they thus gained the complete victory over the false teachers and their heresies is that God the Holy Spirit who indwelt them is greater than the fallen angels who is in the world system of evil. Because we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us. Now we should count that. Sometimes I don't realize if we really count our blessings. That we have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling us. The one that's in us is greater than the one that's in the world. Some people think it's a dualism in this world, dualism. In the words, you got God in the world doing God's power, you got Satan, he's power, and they in a contest. No, God's already won. Satan's already been defeated. He was defeated before he ever began. There's only one Almighty, and that's Almighty God who is the true and living God, who is over all God, blessed forever. But all Satan is a defeated foe. But we have to face him constantly in our daily lives through false teachers, through false teaching, through temptations, through many things in our lives. We have to face the enemy. While the one is in the world, who is that? That's the devil. The devil is the one in the world teaching falsehood, teaching false doctrine. And how does he do that? He does it through false preachers. Now, remember what Paul said in 1 Timothy 4.1 about the seducing spirit and doctrines of demons, devils. These preachers that are preaching on TV, on the radio, now not, I'm not saying all of them, but a majority of them are teaching the teachings of Satan and demons. This is just not something they got to... See, Satan used the mouthpiece of Peter. Get behind me, Lord. That's never going to happen to you. Why did the Lord, he rebuked him. Get behind me, Satan. He recognized the source of Peter's speaking. Satan was using his mouthpiece. And these false teachers today that are teaching all these false doctrines and these false antichrists and these false cults today are being used by demons and Satan to teach their false doctrine. Now this is what we're up against today. And so many of our loved ones are going and hearing these false teachers teaching these false doctrines. It's sad what's going on in the world. But by God's grace, you've been chosen to hear the truth. Give God thanks for that. That you can discern between good and evil. That God has gave you the Holy Spirit to lead you into the truth and guide you in your Christian life. The prince of this world, John 12, 31, whose work the Son of God came to destroy, 1 John 3, 8. Jesus said he came to destroy the works of the devil. And verse 5 says, they are of the world... Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. You say, boy, look at the big crowds they got. Look at the little crowd we got, but look at the big crowds the world's got, the cults. See, the world likes what they hear. They like that message. Live any way you want, do anything you want, you're all right. Live like the devil, have anything you want, you'll just go on to heaven. There's some on TV preaching that doctrine. We and them. You must distinguish between we, the children of God, and them which was of the world. Just a few words on the word world in 1 John. He says in 1 John 2.15, love not the world. Now he mentioned it one time there. Then in verse 16 he says in 2.16, all that is in the world we're to hate. Rejected. Verse 17, he said, Then the world is passing away. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In chapter 3, verse 1, he said, The world knoweth us not. They don't know you. you our, our our brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles and friends that don't know the Lord don't know us. Do you wonder why they look at you kind of strange sometimes? It's because they cannot know you spiritually. They can only know you as a person, but they don't know the spirituality. What you say about the things of God, they cannot hear. Jesus, and he says, if the world hates you, in chapter 3, verse 13, the world will hate you. You must take that as absolute truth. If a Christian goes to school and confesses Jesus Christ, they will laugh at that individual, hate that individual, and and reject that individual. That's why it's so hard for young people to live a Christian life in this society. In chapter 4, verse 4, he that's in the world, talking about Satan... Satan is in the world. He's, he's in this world. Chapter 4 verse 5 says, They are of the world. Chapter 4 verse 5 says, They speak of the world. Verse 5, he says, The world heareth them. See, the world hears false teachers, and they receive it and gladly receive it. Why? Because it fits their manner of life. It fits their nature. They are in the world. They love the world. They love the lust of the flesh. They love the pride of life. They love the ungodliness. And when they preach those things, they love those things. We're different. And we should live different than the world. It's out of the world as the sowish they speak. And those who are of God are out of God. We are of God, little children. Those of God and those of the world, there's the two distinctions. Everyone in this world either is of God or of the world. There is no no straddling the fence. You're on one side or the other. Jesus says, you're either with me or against me. With me or against me. You're out of God or you're of the world. There is no in between, beloved. And then verse 6, he says, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Who's he talking about? Teachers, the, the apostles, those who reject the teachings of the apostles, teach, reject the teachings of Christ, are not of they're they are not of God, they're of the world. They reject the teachings of Christ because they hate Christ. No, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We are of ek means out of God the Spirit. And then there's those who are out of the spirit of error of the world. places. Satan is a prince of the world, system. John 12, 31, he's called the prince of this world. Satan is the god of this world, small g, system. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he's called the god of this world. He's called the prince of this world. Jesus said, the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Nothing. He can't touch me. One scholar says that the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit who teaches the truth. And the spirit of error is a spirit who comes from the devil, teaching lies and seducing men into error. The spirit that comes from the devil teaches heresy. Paul declares to be a demon. 1 Timothy 4, 1. So what they're teaching comes from demons. You've got to realize we are in a spiritual warfare. It's not just a man teaching error, it's a demon teaching through that man teaching error. And sometimes we lose sight of that. We don't realize what the battle is all about. We are in a spiritual conflict in this world. Satan is trying very hard to take over the world through various means as we've seen the last two years. Governmental control, global control, state control, city control. How they're trying to control. Satan is working very, very diligently. Again, we must hear those words ringing in our ears. Be of good cheer, little children. I have overcome the world. Don't lose sight of that. Jesus had taught that his sheep hear his voice. John 10, 4 through 5. Verse 8, 16, 26 through 27, that everyone who's on the side of truth listen to the witness to the truth. John eighteen thirty seven, and he and he who belongs to God hears what God says. That's an evidence that you've been born again if you hear what God says. Verse 37 says, well, we'll read verse 8, 47. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not because you're not of God. Beloved, those people who reject the teaching of God's Word are not of God, they're of the world. Whether it be your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, when they reject the Word of God, it's an evidence that they're not born of God. Beloved, the Word of God separates people. It separates the sheep from the goats. It separates the wheat from the tares. It separates the believers from the unbelievers. And when Jesus comes, there will be a great judgment day coming. Remember what one of the things we, we saw was He says, when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. Aren't you looking forward to that day? I hope a few of these remarks will encourage you in your Christian walk. But please take it serious. Take it serious. This is serious. Serving God and hearing God's word, you must make a decision. You either accept it or you reject it this morning. You will do one or the other. You'll either obey the voice of God or you'll reject the voice of God. What is God saying to you this morning? And what is God saying to me? May we pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and testimony. We thank you for the scriptures. Make us wives unto salvation. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who loved us and died and gave himself for us. May you bless us now as we sing a closing hymn. In the name that's above every name, we pray and give thanks and give glory. Jesus Christ, amen. Does someone have a song in closing?